0: You're listening to the Holmes Avenue Baptist Church Podcast. To learn more about Holmes Avenue or how you can join the mission, visit us online at HolmesAvenue.com. Amen. Amen. Well, good morning, everybody. Good to see everybody this morning. Uh, Good crowd. Good to see some faces I haven't seen in a little while, so I'm so glad to see you all here this morning. Those of you that are with us and those of you that are joining us online, (laughs) Um, I'm so grateful that you are with us today. Um, I am uh, excited for us to continue in our sermon series uh, through the book of Psalms, Summer in the Psalms. Today we're going to be in Psalm chapter 56, Psalm 56, so I would encourage you to go ahead and turn there. Uh, If you have your Bibles with you, if you need a Bible, there's one in front of you. The words will also be on the screen for you. Um, But we are journeying through the book of Psalms, and we've gotten to kind of the the getting closer towards the end. I mean, we've got about a month left. Um, We'll conclude this series uh, going through these psalms after uh, Labor Day, uh, and then we will move into uh, our uh, sermon series for the fall. Um, But as we're looking at this passage today, you can see there on the screen, I've entitled it Trusting the Lord, Trusting the Lord. And I want to ask you, uh, as we get ready to embark on this uh, study of this passage today, um, what do you place your trust in? There's many different things that we can say that we put our trust in, right? Uh, If you got here today by your vehicle, you put your trust that the vehicle is going to work to get you where you're going. Uh, If you um, are uh, going about on a trip or something, you're putting your trust in the fact that the, the, the item that is there or the thing that you're going there for, it's going to get the thing working right for you, right? For me, an example that I can think of is when I was in the youth group, We went on a whitewater rafting trip, and while we were on the whitewater rafting trip, we're in this pretty intense ways it's not the Nana halo like I did in Boy Scouts that was a pretty more tame river okay this one that we're in it's it's more intense the waves are high like it, it's some crazy rapids and as we're getting there to do this we're we're right there with this guide and this guide is going to be the one that's directing the craft for us he's going to help us through the journey and so all of our trust is in that guy we're like hey you've got the wisdom we know that you're gonna know exactly how to do this you've done this river this isn't your first time like everything is going to be fine and so we embarked on the journey we went out we're going through and would you know halfway through Brian gets knocked out of the raft and I start floating down floating down and thankfully the guide is the one who takes his oar sticks it out to me I'm able to grab it and they all pull my hefty self into the raft And I looked at the guy and I was like, and I'm sure glad that you were guiding us. (laughs) Because if it was just us, I don't know what would have happened. But you knew what you were doing. You were the one that was guiding the raft. I'm glad I had my trust in you. And I think about that as we look at this psalm today. And as we look at 56... It's written by David. This is a psalm of lament for David as he's in the midst of this assault of the Philistines that seized him in Gath. And it's similar to that of Psalm 34 that we actually covered a few weeks ago. But in this psalm, there's lamenting as these people are pursuing him, but there's also this anticipation of thanksgiving of the fact that God is going to deliver him. God is going to be with him. God is with him because his trust is in the Lord. So for this passage today, we're going to see that believers, we must continually place our faith and trust in the Lord who is just, who is merciful and providentially cares for his people. With that said, I want to pray for us as we embark. So would you pray with me? Father in heaven, Lord, we love you. We thank you now for this time as we open your scriptures. Lord, I pray that all distractions would fade away here in this place. Lord, that we would hear from you right now at this time of opening your word. We thank you, Lord, for the time of worship we've had thus far. We pray, God, that you would speak to us now from your scriptures. Lord, may the meditations of my heart and the words of my mouth be pleasing unto you. We love you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, if you're taking notes, I hope you are. The points will be up on the screen. The first point is this, trusting in God's mercy. Trusting in God's mercy. Let's look at verse one. Be gracious to me, O God, for man tramples on me. All day long an attacker oppresses me. See here, David is describing this constant state of pursuit that is against him. His enemies, they are after him, and he is specifically asking the Lord to be merciful. He says, be gracious to me, Father. I I need your mercy. Show this to me. Now, what is the reason for their pursuit and their trampling of David as he describes it? Well, verse 2 tells us it's their pride. Verse 2 says, an enemy, my enemies trample on me all day long, for many attack me proudly. They're coming after Him. They're in pursuit of Him. They want to take His life. They, they want to say, yes, we got Him. We did this. These enemies, their pride is the root of their pursuit. You know, being too proud can be a destructive thing, right? There, there was an old, the old show, uh, I say old, we, I mean, we, we still watch it in our house because Miranda loves it. Dr. Quinn, medicine woman. She knows where I'm going with this. Sully on there, one of the things that he says, you never thought that you'd hear a Dr. Quinn quote during the sermon today, right? One of the things that Sully says in one of the episodes is pride is a foolish man's burden. That's right. Pride is a foolish man's burden. Being too proud can be a destructive thing. Now, there's a difference in being proud of someone or, or something, some accomplishment, but not to the point to where it wells up in you and it provides sin. It's destructive. These people are very proud. They're like, we want to take him out. We have to take him out. I mean, I think we can all agree that we've all probably been on the receiving end of someone hurting us due to pride, right? There's been some kind of pursuit, maybe something that somebody has done in our lives. It can be destructive. That's the end goal of these people that are pursuing after David is David's destruction. Look at verse 3. When I am afraid, I put my trust in you. When I am afraid, I put my trust in you. You see, although the enemies are in pursuit of David and he is afraid, he points to this timely truth: he trusts in the Lord. He trusts in the Lord. Why should he trust in the Lord? Well, he's seen the evidence of God's faithfulness in his life. He's seen it. He's seen God's hand of provision over his life and his protection. From the moment when he was a young shepherd boy and Samuel went and anointed him to say, You will be the king. God has continually provided protection for him. He's going to see that although he commits a horrendous sin with Bathsheba and has her husband Uriah killed, God still, although he disciplines him, he still uses him. It's incredible. His trust is in the Lord. See, this reality is for David, is one that you and I should cling to, church family. It's one that we should cling to. God is faithful to us. He's always been faithful to us. He always will be faithful to us. He never leaves us nor forsakes us. When Jesus paid the price for our sins, the sins of the whole world, he did so with you and I in mind, past, present, and future. Why? Because he loves us. Because he loves us. It's so incredible to think, right? The scriptures tell us, greater have no love than a man that lays down his life for his friends. Jesus loved us and died for us. It's so incredible to think. It's because of this mercy that's been demonstrated to us also that we must trust in God. He's merciful. We must be trusting in God's mercy. Verse 4, he continues the thought In God, whose word I praise, in God I trust, I shall not be afraid. What can flesh do to me? See, David continues this declaration of trusting in God, and he declares that it is God's word that he praises and he trusts. Therefore, he will not be afraid. He then asks that question, what can flesh do to me? If God is trustworthy because of his mercy, then he's worthy of praise. He's worthy of our praise. Praise. There's no need to be afraid of what man or anything else can do to you or I. Let's take it a step further. If God forbid we were faced with death because of our faith, like many brothers and sisters that are across the globe, we should still not be afraid, but trust God. Why? Because although flesh, although others may come and harm us or try to take our very lives, God has promised us a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. There's no need to be afraid. No need. So when you're facing some kind of fear, maybe of the flesh, maybe when others are coming against you, Trust in God's mercy. Cry out to God. Cry out to Him in song. Cry out to Him in praise. Trust that He's with you and He is providing for you all according to His perfect will. We must trust in God's mercy. David is. Continuing on into verse 5, we see that we are to trust in God's mercy. Justice. Trust in God's justice. Verses five through seven, David gives this complaint to God about those who of the flesh and what they are doing against him. Verse five reads All day long they injure my cause. All their thoughts are against me for evil. He's saying, God, please be gracious and merciful to me. This is what they're doing to me. They are constantly against me. The thoughts that they have against me, they are wicked. They're for evil. We get to verse 6 and he says, they stir up strife. They lurk. They watch my steps as they have waited for my life. David states that his enemies, they stir up the strife. They are going around and they're speaking evil of David. They patiently wait for the right time to pounce and attack. David. It's almost this picture of this prey that is creeping after, watching every step, ready to go. Have you been there? Have you felt like the weight of those who are in pursuit of you is heavy and it's around? Have you sensed that the schemes of the enemy are present? That you felt as if they never stopped? The scriptures tell us that the enemy, he's going around like a roaring lion seeking to devour. What about stirring up strife? Have you been on the receiving end of someone speaking ill of you? I'd say we'd all say that we've experienced this at some point. For some, it may even be now. The reality for all of us is that it will happen. Do you trust in God's mercy? Do you trust that God is just? Look at verse 7. For their crime, will they escape? In wrath, cast down the peoples, O God. See, David first asked this rhetorical question to God there in verse 7. In his continual trusting of the Lord, and he trust in God's justice, he asked God to cast down his wrath against the peoples. It's intense, right? It's pretty intense. He's asking the Lord to intervene. Intervene on my behalf, Father. Notice he's already asked for God's mercy to be shown. Now he asks for the Lord to do something. This isn't just an ask of of enemy individuals, but nations who are against him. The Philistines right now in this account... He's asking God, please, for your wrath, do something, Lord. Have you been there? Have you been in, there in those moments where things are just so difficult, though so hard, you're lamenting to God and you're saying, God, please just do something. For David, he's trusting, God, you're just. And I know, Lord, that the ones that are pursuing me, although they are seeking to do harm to me, you can and will intervene when your will says to do so. You will do it. So, David, he trusts in God's mercy. For us, church, we need to trust in God's mercy. David, he's trusting that God is just, trusting in God's justice. We should do the same. And number three, trusting God's care for his people. This flows right out of that thought. God, I'm asking you to intervene because I know that you care for your people. Verse 8, You have kept count of my tossings. Put my tears in your bottle. Are they not in your book? This is a profound verse. Why? Why? David knows that God has kept count of his tossings, of his tears. David knows that the Lord loves him and that he is for him. The Lord hears us each and every time. He's kept David's tears in your bottle as he says. Just as every do you see that picture? Just as every tear that David has cried, God, this is so bad. This is so difficult. The the pain is just so big and the tears are falling. And it's just this image of God. You've collected every teardrop of mine in your bottle. He then asked that rhetorical question of God. It's in God's book or scroll. What is this book or scroll that David is referring to? Well, in Malachi chapter 3, 16, it'll be on the screen for you. It says this. Then those who feared the Lord spoke with one another. The Lord paid attention and heard them. And a book of remembrance was written before him of those who feared the Lord and esteemed his name. Malachi has given us this, this writing, this understanding that as the Lord hears his people, he's keeping a record of it. Think about that church. As we go through trials and tribulations, as we go through grief, as we go through loss, as we go through pain and suffering, every time those things come about and we cry out to God, it's not on empty, wasted ears. It's not on somebody that just says, oh, well, poor thing for you, let it be, or just completely ignore us. No, it is the God of the universe who spoke everything in existence that loves us and gave his son to die for us. We are his children. Therefore, he hears us. He takes account of what he does, hear from us. He keeps record of it. He knows us. So take heart, brothers and sisters. God knows the pains that we face when they come. He knows our fears. He knows our worries. He knows our doubts. He keeps a record of our tears, of our sorrows. Why? Because he's for us. Because he loves us. Verse 9. Then my enemies will turn back. In the day when I call, this I know that God is for me. David declares that his enemies, they're going to turn back when he calls upon the Lord, because the Lord is faithful. Now, in the past, in the future, God has been faithful, so his enemies shall turn back. And he even recalls for himself right there that God is for me. God is for his people. Therefore, nothing shall come against them. Just like in Romans 8.31, if God is for us, who shall be against us? Let's read 10 and 11 together. In God, whose word I praise. In the Lord, whose word I praise. In God I trust; I shall not be afraid. What can man do to me? You may notice as we read that that those verses are a little bit similar to that of verses three through four. This serves as a refrain for the psalm. Remember, these psalms they're they're like songs that can be sung unto God. I think it's fitting for us to point out the need for David to declare this again in the same psalm. I don't know about you, but when the times of sorrow, fear, doubt, anxiety, etc., one time may not cut it for me to be reminded of God's mercy, His grace, His forgiveness. What am I getting at? When we have those moments when things come about in our lives where things are difficult, when they're hard, we have to continually preach the gospel to ourselves. We have to continually do it. We have to continually be reminded of the Gospel. Reminded of God's faithfulness unto us. We have to be reminded that Jesus paid the ultimate price for us on Calvary's cross and He resurrected from the grave so that when we repent of our sin and we confess Jesus Christ as Lord, we are redeemed. We have to remind ourselves over and over of the faithfulness of God. In all of that, even though we were once his enemies, that is mind blowing. We were once his enemies, yet he still gave up his life for us. We have to trust God day by day, moment by moment. I mentioned this yesterday during brotherhood, but I, I think about this and this reminding of the of the gospel to yourself. And just this week, I was listening to a podcast by the North American Mission Board uh, by Mark Clifton and, and Mark Halleck. Mark Halleck's a pastor out in Denver. Uh, Mark Clifton is a, a revitalizer, replanter for churches. He has done a lot of great work and in the podcast I was listening to this week, it was kind of talking about this, this concept of lamenting or when things are hard or difficult and you, and you cry out to God and you have to remind yourself of something. And they, they gave this idea of going back to a song, just one song that is just like a, a wonderful favorite worship song of yours that you that, that is your go to song. When you just want to cry out to God and praise Him, have that song in mind ready to go. Play it on your Spotify. Play it on your your CD player if you still have one. Like Play the song. Or just sit there a cappella. Just cry out to God and sing it to Him. Repeat it over and over as you need to. And then be reminded of the Scriptures. The Scriptures tell us to take the Word of God and hide it in our heart so that we may not sin against God. Think of those Scriptures that are like, man, that is, that's my life first, or man, that is that one there. I need to cling to that. You know that Scripture. Be reminded of that Scripture. Preach the Gospel to yourself over and over. Remind yourself of God's faithfulness and the fact that you trust Him. God's been merciful to us, church. And God is just. He cares for His people. So lastly, we must be trusting in God's providence. Trusting in God's providence. Verse 12. I must perform my vows to You, O God. I will render thank offerings to You. What does David mean by vows to God? You may recall from our study through the book of Leviticus that there were these peace offerings for thanksgiving or, or free will offerings unto God. This was done in a way to honor the Lord for hearing the cry of his people, for delivering them, for forgiving them. For David, he's telling the Lord that he will perform those to God and offer thanks and offerings to him. Why? Verse 13 tells us. For you have delivered my soul from death. Yes, my feet from falling, that I may walk before God in the light of life. David's been delivered. God has providentially spared his life from the attacks of the enemies. God has saved him. He's prevented his feet from falling so that he can walk before God in the light of life. What a beautiful picture and promise. Remember, church family, we are under the new covenant because of Jesus' finished work. Therefore, we're not required to do as the people did in Leviticus in the Old Testament in that regard. But I would argue that we would be so overcome with gratitude and thanksgiving that we would want to offer praise unto God. When's the last time that we were just so enamored and just so grateful and thankful for what God has done that we just belted out, great is thy faithfulness. And we just started to praise God in song and give Him the glory for what He deserves. That was not nearly as pretty as Sierras, but you get the point. We just belted out to God. We just praised God for what He's done. Just so in awe of how He's moving, how He's working. But we can all recount examples of some type where God has delivered us, that He has helped us to overcome, and we have just been so thankful that we couldn't help but praise Him. Even if it was just a thank You, Lord. Lord. As followers of Jesus Christ, we must trust in God's divine providential care for us. He has us. We are His. Therefore, He will never leave us nor forsake us. When we are faced with trials, we consider it all joy. When we are suffering, we draw near to Him. And any time that we're facing those moments, any time that we're going through those things, we can cry out, it is well because of what God has done, what he's doing, what he will do. See, I love that beautiful picture of the gospel and how it covers every facet of life, past, present, and future. God has taken care of us in the days past. God is taking care of us now. He's moving and working in our lives. He's sanctifying us now. And he will continue to until we get to the future. When we get to experience that living hope that Jesus paid for with his precious blood. And his resurrecting from the grave. To give us life. To give us life ever Lasting. He calls us to trust Him. Let me ask this question Do you trust God? Don't just write it off quickly. Do you trust God? Have you trusted him with your life? Has he truly redeemed you? If your answer is yes, I'm redeemed, then my question, this is serious. Like, think about this, process this. What are you doing with that? What are we doing with that? We have an amazing testimony to proclaim. Are we living a life of thanksgiving and praise, declaring what God has done and is doing and even what He will do? Do you trust Him? Are you doing that? Are you living a life of trust in Him that's pointing people back to Him? What if your answer is no? I don't trust God, I'm not redeemed. I want to encourage you to, to not just stop and leave it there. I want you to ask questions. I want you to say, hey, I'm not at that point that you're talking about as far as trusting God, but I want to know more. Don't just leave it there. Ask questions. Be open about your doubts. Be open about your fears. If you're even too nervous to to come and talk to us, you see the link on the screen there. Those of you online, you can do the same. Reach out. Let us know. Schedule a time to talk, whatever it may be. But don't just leave it there. God has done such an incredible thing in my life and in the lives of many of us because of his finished work on Calvary's cross and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. We should trust him with everything and live a life on mission that leaves people in awe to say, what is going on? Do you trust him? Let's pray. Father God, Lord, I thank you. Lord, for your, your grace, your mercy, all that you are Doing in this world, all that you are doing in our lives, Lord, we are humbled, Father, that you would love us enough to send Jesus to die for us, Lord. I'm just in awe of your mercy and your grace and your love. I'm in awe of you, Lord. And I pray, Lord, for each of us, Lord, within the sound of my voice, if if we're struggling to trust you, maybe we are redeemed. But something has happened and we're just like, Lord, what are you doing? Where are you at? Lord, we know that you are present. We know that you will meet us where we are. Lord, I pray for that person. Father, that you would help them to process to to ask questions, to seek you, to seek out counsel from others. Lord, I pray for that one that says, no, I don't trust God, period. I haven't been redeemed, as you call it. Lord, I pray that they would ask questions. That they would say, hey, I want to know more. You're obviously so crazy about this guy that you get up there and you start hooting and hollering. What is the deal with this? What is so important about this Jesus? And Lord, I pray that if that person does say those things, does ask those questions, Father, that their life would be flipped upside down because of your mercy and grace. That their life would be transformed by the power of Of the gospel. Lord, as we conclude and sing this song, I pray that it truly is well for each of us. Have your way, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen.